I mean, in all honesty, this movie could have been called Die Hard. And they're just in, uh, it's a, just a different timeline because yes. you connect it to Looper. Mm-hmm. And then it makes sense why he didn't oh. die when he got shot when he went to close the loop. Uh, and if you connect that to Pulp Fiction, it really makes you question where Joseph Gordon Levitt got that pocket watch. We have to go back. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Flashback Flicks Retro Movie Podcast. I'm Ricky. I'm Grayson. And today, are we are we concluding our Shyamalanathon, Grayson? It's all been leading to this. All trains have been leading to this episode yeah. in celebration of glass hitting theaters worldwide. Yep, I got my ticket for tomorrow morning. I so far, according to the seat selection diagram, I'm the only person in the theater, <laughs> and I'm okay with that. Yeah, you know, I'm I'm okay. Yes. So we start out our Shyamalanathon with watching signs, and all signs ended up pointing to the village, and the village. You know, it really takes a village to yeah. raise the kind of movie that can withstand. Almost anything unbreakable. That was an amazing transition, Ricky. Thank you, Grayson. That's all I wrote for this episode. Everything else is up to you. Great. You know, it really made the last three weeks worth it. So Unbreakable in its purest terms is a movie about a man learning something extraordinary about himself after a devastating accident. Uh... That's it. That's what the movie is. More specifically, Bruce Willis plays a character uh, named David David Dunder Mifflin. Which is important. The alliteration plays into the superhero element, like Peter Parker, like that kind of thing. So, yeah, David Dunn. So he plays David Dunn, and he survives this very big uh, train wreck. He's the only sole survivor. And then we basically, through this whole movie, unfold that he actually is a real-life, living, breathing superhuman. And um, and Samuel L. Jackson plays Elijah Price, who has been kind of obsessed with superheroes ever since he was a little boy because he has um, a bone disease where his bones are very fragile, so he's had several broken bones over his lifetime, like over 40-something breaks in his lifetime. And so he kind of mentors him through discovering his ability because he's one of the few people who actually believe that superhuman beings live among us in the real world, Uh, but only to be revealed that he is the villain who has set all of these mass tragedies like he caused the train wreck that brought bruce willis's character david dunn to the surface yes weapons of glass destruction grayson you've been sitting on that for three weeks oh three weeks try 20 years (laughs) that's amazing oh man uh, and so we have the movie Unbreakable. It was another movie written by M. Night Shyamalan. M. Night Shyamalan, like, this was his second movie, right? This came out, like, right yeah, after so this, Sixth Sense. This was the follow-up. Yeah, it, and there was a lot to live up to. Sixth Sense made a ton of money. It was critically acclaimed. People loved it. And they're like, what a great twist. Do it again. And he's like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so he had this idea of a superhero story and doing it uh, real like making it as realistic as possible. Keep in mind, this is 
so 2000 is before we've really locked into X-Men, yeah. Spider-Man, like even early Marvel stuff as far as we know it. Uh, yeah, and, yeah. I, and, I, and I would like to add pre-Batman Begins. Oh, yeah, six years before Batman Begins, I think. Yeah, five or six oh, yeah. years. So um, he wanted to do it real. What would it look like in real life if superheroes existed? And it was uh, intended to be a trilogy. And I think that's that's a big uh, a big thing people don't realize. It it seems like a grab at this point. Um, and he, he meant for it to be this all along. And so uh, when he originally wrote it, this whole uh, first part, this first act is supposed to be David Dunn's origin. And right. um, in the outline, he actually said in an interview recently, in the outline... Uh, he had uh, a whole thing about, by this point, it's been kind of revealed through all the glass marketing that James McAvoy from Split is part of this universe. That was the big twist in Split, was that it was actually the long-awaited sequel to Unbreakable, and nobody knew it when they were watching it in theaters. People yelled in the theaters at the end of Split, being like, oh my goodness, it's here. Mm -hmm. Um, And... That was always intended. So in that initial outline for Unbreakable, he had like 20 minutes worth of stuff where you find out about Crumb and all of his different personalities. But he was a child back then. And Shyamalan said there was one scene that was left in the movie to kind of set it up. And it's the scene in the arena when David is testing out his his uh, like sensing ability of the crimes that little kid that's being forcefully led away by the mother, you hear sounds of uh, like conflict, of abuse, and that is then later expanded on and split as to why Crumb is the way he is. Um, yeah. But if he had followed them, it, it could have been a very different thing. But looking at the way that these three movies connect, it makes sense that it was always supposed to be a trilogy. You start off by focusing on a man who is indestructible physically, but has a, a, a broken heart, for lack of a better phrase. Uh, like he's, oh. uh, his family is fracturing. His uh, his marriage is is very uh, uh, about to end. It's it's on ice, and um, and so starting out with this indestructible man with a broken heart, and then the second one focusing on an indestructible man with a fractured mind. And then this third movie being a man focusing with glass, a man who has uh, an easily broken body, but the sharpest mind. He's a genius. And so this whole thing about the in the glass trailer, we hear that sounds like the bad guys teaming up. That's incredibly important because you now have an indestructible body being led by a superior mind. And David Dunn, he's a relatively intelligent guy, forgets a lot about his past, but he <laughs> he is, yeah, he's indestructible, but he is not uh, like overly intellectual in a lot of ways, um, but he has this sense. And now that his family has been brought back together, he is, he is repaired in a lot of ways. And so it's going to be like physically body against body, the beast against David Dunn. Uh, but mentally it's going to be heart against mind. 
And that's mm. that's going to be a really satisfying thing to watch. I say that having not seen Glass, but the way he set up this trilogy, they are three points of a shared triangle. And it makes all the sense in the world for these to be the the three characters that are thrust together in this point of conflict. So I, I'm super excited for it. Yeah, that's that's incredible. And, and to th- see that kind of forethought put in like his second a major movie so he was able to sell this movie largely off of the you know success of sixth sense uh disney bought his screenplay at a spec script record for five million dollars mm. uh, and then he was also given another five million to direct it so that kids is how you make 10 million dollars with one movie um <laughs> And so uh, with this money, this actually helped Shyamalan to establish his own production company, Blinding Edge Pictures. Uh, And with a total budget of $75 million, Unbreakable went to break tons of records. Uh, It made $248 million. And and this movie uh, is at such a high regard with so many people in film that Quentin Tarantino himself listed this movie as one of his favorite films since he started his own career starring Bruce Willis that he didn't direct. Mm. Um, And he suggested that the tagline for Unbreakable was, what if Superman was here on Earth, but he didn't know he was Superman? Yeah, I'd, I'd watch that movie. Yeah, you did. It's called Unbreakable. Oh, I remember now. <laughs> now, uh, Grayson, I know that this is not your first time uh, watching Unbreakable, oh, no. but it was mine. Wow. Uh, so you have talked about this movie for years uh, to the degree where I decided to purchase my own copy of Unbreakable. Um, and I have owned this movie through at least two, maybe three moves. <laughs> wow. Um, still haven't seen it until such an occasion arose for me to be able to break that seal and open up the DVD and actually watch Unbreakable for the first time. And you're like, oh, the disc is scratched. Oh. <laughs> okay, it was. Oh, it? <laughs> That's a collector's edition. You want to hang out uh, with that, yeah. Uh, it was super scratched because it was scratched like right before the trade incident happened. It just like went to the DVD. Oh, menu. no. Unplayable. Like, unplayable. Uh, then, but watching this movie for the first time, even with knowing the twist at the end uh, because of all the marketing, like I knew that Mr. Glass was going to be the villain mm-hmm. um, largely because of how much purple he was wearing, um, but also because like he had that line in the trailer, I guess the bad guys are getting together. But once again, Shyamalan knows how to keep the viewers captivated in the story. I'm like, I don't know, maybe maybe something happens at the beginning of Glass that explains why he turned into a villain. Like he had me questioning information I knew <laughs> in this movie from like like almost 20 years ago. I'm like, this guy knows how to write a story. Yeah. Um, and one of the special features they actually talked about how he made it traditionally with a three-act structure, like, yeah, you know, here discovers he's a hero. And he has a big fight with the villain at the end. He said he thought it would be more interesting to basically have a whole movie be the first act of a superhero discovering their abilities. Mm-hmm. And I was so impressed because that's exactly what he did, but it didn't feel slow. Yeah. 
people criticize it for being slow, but I never really felt that. It, it's Shyamalan's pace. We've said it all three weeks. I'm like, yeah. it's, it's slower, but it works. But yeah, I, it, it makes sense. Yeah, because um, if you look at it, like, for example, uh, using another superhero movie that people are probably familiar with, if you look at Batman Begins, mm -hmm. that's what Batman Begins is. It's about him. I mean, you have more fight sequences, but Shyamalan very rarely makes his movies about the action. Um, he tries to show you the monster as little as possible and in pieces uh, but he also doesn't make the hero just show out and do like these big heroic acts. So I, I think that him uh, bench pressing is maybe one of my favorite superhero discoveries ever. Oh, yeah. It's like, what else can we use? And they're using paint cans and he's just bench pressing. Mm -hmm. And I just love seeing that realization like of him actually believing that he might be a superhero and also seeing other people's reactions. Like his realization that he had never had any sick days was maybe, I mean, I already said the bench press thing, but like that moment was just so amazing. Like imagine yeah. if you were to look back at your own life and be like, Oh wait, I, I've never had a sick day. And I tried to find it in, like an equivalent to it is like, imagine realizing that you've never had to tie your shoes. Um, it's like, I, I guess I've always just mentally like tied them with like your brain powers. It's just like something's very small that you never. Yeah. He's like, I realize I just, I've never brushed my teeth. I've just always had good <laughs> breath. No cavities. I have indestructible teeth. That's amazing. I never realized. I didn't know what people did before bed. And when they woke up, what were they doing? Exactly. Or, oh, yeah, even like that. Like, imagine that you never slept before in your life. It's like, oh, yeah, I guess I just close my eyes and time travel. I feel like that's going to catch the eye. That's, that's <laughs> Yeah. Uh, but anyway, my first time watching it, I was really impressed with it, especially yeah. with knowing, A, knowing that it's a superhero story. And like, I was watching it with my wife, and she's like, well, you know the twist, right? She said, it's not like a twist that Peter Parker Spider-Man or anything like that, right? I'm like, no, I, yeah, I, I know. I know that, like, Bruce Willis is a superhero. Like, I know that that's, I guess, the twist. Uh, but again, that reveal isn't all that the movie's about right. it's about him discovering his abilities and and figuring out what to do with it like i was so impressed with him like the scene the scene for me that was so underrated and like i feel like doesn't get talked about enough in a lot of the superhero movies just in the superhero genre as a whole superheroes are traditionally going after a big major threat in the Avengers, it's like the um, big invasion. Um, and in Infinity Wars, it's about like stopping Thanos. It's about stopping these big bads. In mm. Unbreakable, when David Dunn goes into the train station, he has to choose whose life to impact. And like, there are a lot of bad people at this train station. And it's just a regular train station. It's not like Gotham. Like, where it's just like, oh, well, I guess everyone here needs to go to jail. Um, Philadelphia Grand Central or whatever. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. And so he's like, OK, well, I guess I'll go with the murderer. Uh, but he it, it's something that I never thought about with superheroes before, because it's like 
superheroes have to not stop so many other crimes. Like that's yeah, you can't save everyone. Oh man, like that that messed with me. I'm just like, oh man, like yeah. I think his discovery is really strong in this and grounding something that uh that kind of out there in a realistic setting, I think really pays off for him. Like he doesn't wear a cape. Instead, he wears a poncho that yes. feels like a cape. And it has yes. the double meaning of a poncho is intended to protect you from water. And, and that is why I think it's one of the, the greatest, simplest superhero costumes that makes wow. all the sense in the world. Just says security on the back, protects him from water, flows in the wind. And simultaneously masks his face to a certain degree. Cause like that newspaper sketch, that could have been anybody. <laughs> like, who, yeah. Who, uh, okay. But it's a it's, rainy day. <laughs> the rain man. Yeah. No, 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 oh. no. I don't think so. That's not going to play like you think it plays. <laughs> yeah. It's uh, one, the one last thing I'll say about uh, kind of like my reaction to it is that they, this movie really does a good job at showing you the ramifications of you know a superhero lifestyle basically like i feel like we we get this version of superheroes like like let's just use batman for example he's rich and like we only get his story like as it pertains to like the main villain plot or whatever like and batman begins to get a little bit of his backstory but in dark knight it's like okay what's his story in relationship to the villain but we don't get a family's um, impact of someone trying to or discovering that they have superpowers. Mm-hmm. Um, like that whole family scene where the son pulls his gun. Oh, and yeah. Like that whole scene, I'm just like wrecked with emotion. And that's something that I think Shyamalan does an amazing job. Every single one of his movies, I'm just like emotional, like he is literally holding my heart in his hand and just like, <laughs> Shyamalan, what are you doing? Don't, don't break this. Don't break this thing. And like, he's like, I'm going to throw it down some stairs. <laughs> no, <laughs> like he, he does such a good job at making you feel for these characters and care about what happens to them. Like the, they have these very dramatic moments with these characters that you wouldn't see otherwise in most superhero movies like i think to some like you'll you'll get moments like tony stark being uh you know confronted by the actions of you know different things that he does like he'll see it to some degree like oh no i'm affecting other people but very very rarely do we see that um be affected by people directly and i think we only see it the most with characters like peter parker like spider-man we see how his relationship with Aunt May or even his personal or love life get affected by him being a superhero. But we don't really see it anywhere else. Um, not to this degree. Not to this, like, we're just sitting in on this very tense family conversation that has to do with him being a superhero and how it affects his regular, normal, everyday life. Yeah. Like, I it'll mean, be- Bruce Wayne got arthritis by the time of Dark Knight Rises. True. So. Yeah, that's True. real world but, consequence. Right, but that was only on him though. Like uh like Well, you know, I, I think Alfred had to bring him stuff more often. That's uh, Yeah. You know what you're right. He's, he's like Alfred, can you can I have a Fanta? Can you just uh it's so far away. My knee, Alfred. Right away, Master Wayne. Right away. 
you asked for an orange Fanta, and we were out, and I have failed you. All right, Alfred, just bring me the grape one, I guess. I know a lot of people do Michael Caine impressions, but I am not one of those people. <laughs> uh, okay, now we're going to go into the part of the show where we talk about recast and remakes. Recast, remake. If Unbreakable were to be made today, oh. who would you cast? What would the storyline be? Uh, I think I would love to see um, an MCU take on Unbreakable. Interesting. I would because MC they take these heavy hitters. I really do think it would be interesting to see what they do with characters who discover that they have other abilities, or like for them to further build out the world where the Avengers don't exist. Like mm. if all if we have like this high concentration of superheroes in New York City, you have this high concentration of superheroes. What about Philadelphia? Like maybe he's discovering that he has abilities. Um, and he's decides what he's going to do with it. But anyway, that's what I would like to see casting wise. I want us to see, I feel like modern day, they're going to get the rock. I feel like the rock already has like, that's three. who I had. I wrote Dwayne Johnson, but, but here's the thing. I, I think that would be the obvious choice, but to me, it's too on the nose just for oh. me personally. Well, then so, I didn't write Dwayne Johnson. <laughs> I'm sorry, Grayson. No, that's me, fair. That's fair. Like, if you look at The Rock, you're like, he's a superhero. Like, you can't tell me yeah. that, like, if you were to be like, hey, turns out that Dwayne The Rock Johnson is actually the real life Shazam. I'm like, well, duh. Mm-hmm. Um, but I want, so I want to cast someone who you wouldn't suspect, like Bruce Willis, especially how he's portrayed in this uh, movie, isn't necessarily that big of a, like, he just looks like a guy. He just looks like a regular guy. Not like Are you a telling superhero. me that you recasted this with Paul Giamatti? <laughs> Grayson, he was my second choice. No lie. Um, That's why he's afraid of pools. <laughs> first choice, J.K. Simmons. Oh. I would love to see Unbreakable with J.K. Simmons. I think that that would be interesting. Yeah. Uh, and no one argues the way that J.K. Simmons does. <laughs> um and if Whiplash is any indication, uh, I think that he could tr- handle that kind of troubled past um, it, with those emotional moments the same way. Yeah, uh, well, he's already got a multiverse with Counterpart. So, ooh. yeah, he can just slip right into it. And for uh, Mr. Glass, mm-hmm. I would cast Jamie Foxx. Nice. I just yeah. think he would do a really great job. With or without the electro gap in his teeth. Grayson, it's half and half. Oh, I see. Split the difference. Split. That's what split's really about. (laughs) It's orthodontia. Um, So I I did have Dwayne Johnson uh, as I'm sorry as David Dunn. I'm not judging yeah. your head kid. No, no, no I'm just, not. Ju- I'm not judging but, your recasting. Sure, I'm just no, saying for no, just, me, just in, in general, it looks good on your recasting slate. And that for Mr. Glass, though, I had uh, Brian Cranston. Oh yeah, yeah. I, I'm the he one who is breaks. The danger. Yeah, yeah. I'm the one who breaks. Yeah, yeah. All right, Grayson, now we're going to go into our final segment uh, where we give you our reasons to recommend. So, Grayson, why would you recommend Unbreakable? So I recommend Unbreakable because the best stories, the best characters, I should say, are those that are developed through the choices they make. And 
David Dunn is a man who has, he has not made a lot of choices in his life. He's been very passive for a lot of it. He made one big choice though, which was to give up football. And after that, everything has just kind of happened to him. And what we were seeing is someone who is forced to make choices, um, it, whether it's to use his powers for good, whether to admit that he has powers. Um, and I think that that is best illustrated through his power of the um, the crime sensitivity, that he's able to sense uh, all the terrible things around him. That whole thing is a multiple choice. So I didn't say it in in remake because I just realized it, but this would be a perfect candidate for like a Bandersnatch, choose your own adventure Ooh. type Netflix interactive film where you get to choose the different paths. And we are we are just seeing David Dunn's choice to follow and pursue these these different lines. Um and he becomes a man who chooses to fight for his family. Um, who uh, and so the, my reason to recommend it is because of that final scene at the table with the newspaper that he si- slides over to his son. I cry at that scene every time because what it's showing is that David has made the choice to become the man that his son, to become the hero that his son always knew he was and always believed that he was. And that's a very attractive story. That's a very compelling story. Because uh, we, we, we all want to believe that we're the the better person that our loved ones believe that we are. That that we want to live up to that. We don't want to disappoint them. And yeah. David Dunn does that. He makes the choice to become that, to be the husband, to be the father, to be the hero. And I just love that. That that's what's so great about this movie. And I also think that, and we've said this before, heroes are defined by their villains a lot of the time. Like the best heroes have have the most compelling villains. Dark Knight being a great example. That movie is so strong and Batman gets to be Batman because the Joker is 100% the Joker. Yep. And we are presented with this stealthy, intellectual, twisted villain in glass that held on the other end of the spectrum to David. You see that conflict there. So- if you haven't watched Unbreakable, everything's been spoiled for you if you've walked outside or been online as far uh-huh. as like the villains of this series. But to watch the steps, the choices that are made along the way, that's the story that's worth watching. To conclude our Shyamalan-a-thon, uh, I, I will be speaking broadly about M. Night Shyamalan films as a whole because I, I recommend this movie and all of Shyamalan's films because here's the thing. I think... And I might be repeating myself from previous episodes, but M. Night Shyamalan is such a great storyteller. He He's more than his twists. Um, in his behind-the-scenes uh, kind of featurette, talking about the making of Unbreakable, he said that he has really set out to make a feature-length uh, Twilight Zone episodes where he... You, you think you're watching one thing and by the end you realize that you've been watching something completely different. V- very much in the vein of like what Black Mirror is now. Yeah. Um, but that's been his goal from the beginning is to give the movie going audience an experience of something that they're used to but from a different perspective and from a different viewpoint. 
Like, I don't think that we get a ton of superhero movies that take this much time to show you who this person is. Mm-hmm. Um, we we might get it within the first 30 minutes of a film, but not like an entire movie dedicated to it. Even like 19 years after uh, Breakable, like we haven't seen another movie like it uh, that yeah. takes the same kind of time to fully develop this kind of character. Uh, and it's so interesting to watch. I think that Shyamalan gets written off a lot because people are like, oh, yeah, he just had a twist. Like, I know it. it's like writing off Planet of the Apes just because it's like, oh, no, it was they were dead the whole time. Uh, <laughs> like That's the twist of Planet of the Apes. <laughs> that's the twist. Um, but it's still worth watching because it's not necessarily about knowing the twist at the end. It's not even necessarily about um, you being smarter than the movie, but Shyamalan knows how to take you through an experience. And two of the, the three Shyamalanathon movies that we watched, I knew the twist and I questioned it like mm-hmm. three fourths throughout the movie. I'm like, maybe I heard wrong. <laughs> maybe I got something wrong because he was telling that compelling of a story and setting you so firmly in that reality that I questioned information that I've known four years so yeah. overall i think Shyamalan is worth a uh, watch and a revisit especially his earlier works because i think it's good to be reminded of what that kind of experience you had the first time watching the movie and then watching it a second time and seeing the second story that he was trying to tell you the whole time yeah. Uh, and so that's why I recommend it. It's such a great superhero origin story. Um, and I know most people are like tired of origin stories, but like this one I could watch over and over again. And what you said about uh, like watching Shyamalan's twists and like really getting excited about them uh, as well, like watching them with fresh eyes. That's why as a bonus recommendation, I recommend The Visit. It's one of his more recent ones. And because he had a rough go there of like The Happening, Last Airbender, After Earth. And I've seen all of them. But when I went to the theaters and saw The Visit, it was like when they pull Peter Pan's face back and hook. And it's like, there you are. Like it was rediscovering Shyamalan all over again. So if it's been a while since you've seen a Shyamalan film, um, he's back. He's back. But Ricky. Mm-hmm. I hear this one has a twist ending. Ooh. Who did you hear it from, Grayson? Did you hear it from Headcanon? Headcanon. Headcanon is a part of the show where we share with you unique ideas about the movies and untold stories based on the evidence provided by the film. Grayson. Yeah. All from my brain. Oh, you did it? I did it. <gasps> I made such confusing progress. Wow. Now that we know who you are. <laughs> I know who I am. I'm huh? the guy who hasn't memorized <laughs> headcanon. Oh, man. Yeah, we uh, twisted it for you just to close out the uh, Shyamalanathon properly. Uh, we're going to end with headcanon. So, Grayson, my biggest piece of headcanon has mm-hmm. to do with, um, you know, our lead character, David Dunn, D.D., 
come on. <laughs> no real person has a name like that. I mean, the only kind of person who would come up with a name like that is someone who made some really bad bets and was told to never come back to California ever again. <laughs> yeah. uh, so that's my headcanon. My headcanon is that this movie is not really about David Dunn. No, no, no. This movie is really all about our person who's making a fictional life of himself, Mr. Butch Coolidge. Oh. You see, you start with A, B, C, D. <laughs> Butch Coolidge and then David Dunn. He doubles down on the David. Nice. Um, and so, and that's why he was such a great boxer. That's why he couldn't go down uh, without oh, a fight. Wow. Uh, and so... Yeah. Because he was just, he was unbreakable. He had superpowers. Didn't uh, he say something in Pulp Fiction, but like, they can't get you, Butch. Like, they can't, like, they try, but they can't get you. Yeah. Uh, what's your head get? All right. All right, Ricky. So mm-hmm. you may have asked, why did we choose these three movies uh, for our Shyamalan-a-thon? Yeah, Grayson. With, I mean, uh, Signs, The Village. Unbreakable. We did them out of order too. We kind of like led up to this. Mm-hmm. Um, but my headcanon is that David Dunn was actually a sleeper agent from the aliens from Signs. Sorry, let me say that again. David Dunn was actually a sleeper agent uh, from the aliens from. I said it the same way. <laughs> Dang it. But my headcanon is that David Dunn is secretly one of the aliens from Signs. So let me walk it back. Uh, So he was left here as as a baby, and he adapted. And this is with the idea that there was a previous invasion that nobody knew about, that the invasion in Signs is actually the second time they visited. Some kind of secret wars or something. I hear you, I hear you. Well, yeah, or E.T., E.T. Secret Wars. Oh. (laughs) Um, But he got left behind somehow. And so he uh, he was, like, raised here. We know that the aliens from science can change their their color. Who's to say they can't change their shape as well to blend in Mm. with that camouflage? And so he adapts a humanoid form uh, to to look like what what he looks like. and uh, it explains why he really can't deal with water, why water is his kryptonite, because we learn in signs that that is what stops them. Um, but it is a Superman story. It's his prolonged exposure to our world that gives him the powers, which is why Mel Gibson can chop off the fingers of the aliens. But David has been here longer from that first mission uh, so that he is able to be unbreakable and indestructible. Um, so whenever they go, uh, sorry, sorry. So in signs, what we are seeing is them coming back to look for David. Oh, and, uh, I believe that they, uh, actually employ the similar method, uh, that Elijah does, which is, basically get rid of all of the um 
humans like release this these toxins because uh, we see that poison gas spray out in science release that and anyone left standing because they know that he would have these oh. powers anyone left standing is david you can find him and bring him back oh and they do they they wipe out tons of people uh later on it ends up being blamed on plants in the happening but Ooh. they are the ones that released this toxin in the first place i think that's the real twist there it wipes out a large part of the population except for a removed community that had their own dedicated water source in the village so the village isn't present day, it's the future, and they are the sole survivors of the alien invasion uh, that all started from this mission to get David back. But if you pay attention to a lot of Shyamalan films, you know that he reveals a twist, but then he reveals the true twist at the end, which is why, Ricky, the true twist to all of this to the M. Night Shyamalan cinematic universe is that David Dunn, in addition to being an alien that was left behind, the same alien species as the ones we see in Signs, he was Cole Sear in The Sixth Sense. He is Haley Joel Osment's character. Grayson! So, we never see the father in sixth sense so we can assume that this baby that was left there is adopted by tony collette's character she raises him like a son she doesn't truly understand him she's she's trying to do the best that she can he uh takes on the Haley Joel Osment character, he has abilities that he doesn't understand. He can see people who need his help. And his ability to see dead people is only the early manifestation of his ability to see the crimes that he has when he becomes David Dunn. It's just undeveloped. It's just an undeveloped power. It's people that need his help, but he can't help. And then it becomes those that he can actually help when he is full grown. Now you might say, well, that doesn't make any sense. He's a child there. How does he, and he interacts with Bruce Willis. How does he become Bruce Willis? Let's remember these aliens are shapeshifters. He becomes the person that helped him the most as a child. And as he grows, even if it's subconsciously, he becomes the image of the person that helped him. He becomes Dr. Malcolm. And so uh, it's it, it makes sense to me. I, I think it it also explains why David has such a rocky memory, especially if that regeneration process is similar to like the Time Lords, where it's a it's a memory, but it feels like a different lifetime. And he he grows to become this hero. So the person that he was always meant to be was going to be this alien soldier but instead he stays here on earth what we don't know is his fate after the happening um because you can, ex you can extrapolate that and say well they wiped everybody out uh including david eventually and you get after earth i'm not necessarily incorporating that into this 
Um, it's also worth noting that they make a reference to an institution in the visit that could possibly be where um, Elijah has been held, just to kind of wrap up some of these pieces. But ultimately, I, I believe that David is Earth's hero. Um, and he has been protecting Earth as long as he can, not just from each other, from humans from each other, but from the, the alien invasion. So I would just lose my mind if when I go and see Glass tomorrow, it turns out that this is true. That <laughs> <laughs> Shyamalan is like, no, I didn't do a trilogy. I connected all my movies, except for Last Airbender, because I adapted that. But everything else, is uh, it's all connected. So, yes, that is my M. Night Shyamalan cinematic universe. Grayson, I have the biggest nose and ear bleed that I've ever had. I The fact that you brought in The Happening and brought it... Uh, uh, you have sufficiently blown my mind with your headcanon. Like, I, I cannot believe... And it all makes sense. This just it goes straight to the top. It's too specific not to be the case. So ultimately, I just want to leave you with the thought, uh, with that twist, that uh, Haley Joel Osment's line of "I see dead people" is even more devastating than it's ever been because it's just he's seen the people that he couldn't help. How messed up is that? Oh, great said. And he never wants to see another one. He's going to prevent everyone that he can. Wow. That is his sixth sense. Oh, so good. It completely changes everything. Just like a good shot. Grayson, I'm impressed. This is going to go down in history. as one of- I think it's also worth noting that this is the second uh, movie with Bruce Willis and Samuel L. Jackson that includes a twist uh, if you include John Travolta's uh, twist in the dance competition of Pulp <laughs> Wow. Well done, Grayson. Well Thank done. You. And Grayson went on to write headcanon that boggled the minds of many others in the future. Ricky continued to read from headcanon since his brain couldn't sustain that memory for very long. And then they went on to review other movies and maybe even some Shyamalan movies in the future. And thus ends their review of Unbreakable. Let us know what you remember about Unbreakable, the the movie. Or, you know, Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt, final season's coming out. We we can talk about that too. Yeah. Uh, Let us know on social media. On Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, we are at Flashback Flicks. We're posting more in all the places. Uh, we even have uh, on Facebook and Twitter specifically just some in between the day social media goodies about retro stuff. Like, do you know what a VHS rewinder looks like? Well, let's figure that out on Facebook. Uh, and it would mean a lot if you could leave us a rating and review on your uh, podcast platform of choice uh, on a scale of one to five how would you rate this podcast on a scale of uh, one to five duns uh would it be done. one done or two duns or done 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 oh that's good yeah i was gonna say one to five 
glasses Ooh. of water, oh. <laughs> uh, which is the great thing about that title because David Dunn's kryptonite is water, glass of water, and that's how you defeat aliens. Oh my goodness. And that concludes our Shyamalanathon. But you know what? You can still look forward to other movies that we're going to be reviewing. So that's why it's always important that you stay tuned until next time, right here on the Flashback Flicks Retro Movie Podcast. Until then, remember to be kind and rewind. Next time on the Flashback Flicks Retro Movie Podcast. There was a tale of a kid who would be king. So logically, we are going to talk about the tale of a kid in King Arthur's court. Oh, man. It's like they've never heard of rollerblades. <laughs>